You're listening to the Can't Sell This podcast, dedicated to projects past that never saw the light of day. With your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. I am so excited. It is January something. (laughs) January 8th. 10th. Shit. Hold on. 10th. January 10th. And we're back in the studio, Studio 306, with Jeff right behind the behind the uh, console. What do you call it, Jeff? Oh, you're not even near a talkback thing. Nice. Good good job. It's a recording console. <gasps> behind the console. So good. So professional. And I'm back with Stefan. I'm Hugh Elliott. This is... Stefan Grambart. And we're with our special guest... Jillian Hyde. Jillian Hyde, who has probably the cutest business name... There could be. It is called Pip Robbins. <laughs> <laughs> is it cute? Isn't it super cute? I guess so. You don't think so? Oh, Pip is a cute. Pip is pretty cute. And you don't think Robbins then? Oh, I guess it is pretty. It's pretty cute. Do I like th- to think of it as androgynous. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. My son was really cute and my daughter was really cute. I don't think cute is being a gender specific yeah. comment. No, for sure. I guess when naming the company, I wasn't really going I thought for Pip cute. was a boy's name. Pip is short for Philip or oh. Philippa. <gasps> oh, okay. Yeah. The French and the Italians, finally. <laughs> no, not so much. Philippe. Right. Wah. That's Acadian. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so Stefan, I don't know. Do you follow um, Pip Robbins on Instagram? You have to say yes. I have to say yes, and I <laughs> but do. But you're welcome to not say yes. No. Because if you followed her you would see that her story, before she showed up, she called me out and said, don't ask me bad questions. And the very first thing nice. I did was ask a bad question. What was the question? I didn't see this. So I, I'm a new follower. I'll, I'll give you that. That's fine. Um, but uh, but I, I did not see the, the, the calling out of you. So. Oh. Yeah, I basically was just like, don't disappoint me. I have high expectations. <laughs> and yet Bring it she knows no my wife. So disappointment is rife through my particular... <laughs> basically all we talk about when we hang out is just How all of the different ways you've disappointed her. <laughs> that wow. sets the tone for this whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've just come to shame you, actually. This is what we have That's planned not... behind the scenes, she and That's I. That's not true. That's not true. No, it's not. I almost think it's not true. <laughs> but listen, it turns out to be excellent timing that I invited uh, Jillian to be a guest because this week is your 10th anniversary of operating Pip Robbins. It's true. Hey. Yeah. A whole decade. Thank you. Wow. And full time for eight and a half years. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> We're allowed to swear, by the way. Oh, great. Because <laughs> that tends to happen when speaking with me. I did curse like a sailor. I do. I do have questions to ask. I really do. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that that I'm I'm most curious about is do you um, do you feel you're entering a new stage of what you're doing, or do you feel confident and comfortable in in in, in your abilities and your path, and you're you're kind of doing what you feel you're going to be doing? Oh God, I'm just faking it until I make it. Basically, <laughs> I have no. You can't plans. possibly believe you're faking it. Like, at all. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I just go with what mm. makes me happy, what feels mm. right. I have never had a business plan. I've never had more than the next six months kind of worked out. And I just kind of wing it all. Mm. And I feel like that's what a lot of people are drawn to is this 
organic sort of path that I'm on? Well, it, it brings me to a, a question about something you announced earlier this week, and it was specifically about retiring a design, yeah. which is something that you've, you know, you know, it started out with cowls. Yes, right? it started with cowls. Um, and it, that cowls remain your one of your sort of go-to yeah, they're, things? Yeah, they're a huge seasonal item for me. But this bag. Yeah. Which is, uh, what's it called? I'm sorry. It's called a waxed canvas tote. It was a huge, huge item for me for years. And I've made thousands and thousands of them. And every time I get an order for a tote, I would rather poke myself in both eyes than make them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to make it anymore. So even though it's like an easy... It's an easy sell. It's an easy sell. It's a couple hundred bucks. I just don't want to do it anymore, man. I just don't want to make any more totes. I don't enjoy... I don't enjoy making them. Okay. There's so many other things I'd rather make. And when I loathe doing something in business or in life, I go... We stop doing it. Yeah. Right? Fuck it. It's a good idea. (laughs) What What am I doing it for? Like there's just no beeping of this. So you go ahead and say that as much as you want. It's really just like, fuck it. Yeah. If, if if, If it doesn't make me happy, then why am I doing it? So that brings me to the question about the cowls. Since the cowls were the the big, this is what brought you to what you're doing. Yeah. Unless I'm mistaken. No, totally. Um, The production of the cowls, uh, are you tired of those? No. They're easy to do. They're Yeah. You know, like partly it's because I use all reclaimed textiles for them. So they're all limited edition. Part of the problem with working with a lot of wax canvas is that it only comes in seven colors. Oh. So it's having um, different textiles to work with with my cowl scarves, even though I'm making literally 1,500 of them every year and it is just a rectangle, it's a lot of rectangles. (laughs) Sometimes I can make two, sometimes I can make 10, sometimes I can make 20, and then once they're gone, they're gone. So it's like this refreshing view to play with all of these different textiles. Even if it's just plaids, I still love them and I get to play with cashmeres and I get to play with vintage textiles that probably have been sitting in someone's grandmother's basement until she's passed away and then it's given away to a thrift store or whatever and I come across it and it's like yes so I get to breathe life <clears throat> into this thing. Is, so the, the is there a difference for you uh, between buy, uh, b- buying somebody's leftover thing Mm -hmm. right you say oh i'm gonna breathe new life into that versus somebody going like this is the suit my dad died in and you know we we took it off him and i'm gonna make you know a memorial item and and you go oh that's a weighty thing to put on me and you yeah because i've seen you do this yeah so you're talking about yeah i've done i do them a few times a year when i can kind of fit it into my schedule where people have given me sentimental items whether it's um their father's last year was uh, a father's late a late father's suit mm-hmm. that I turned into cowls. She wanted it so that she it could be split up amongst family members, which was really nice. And then I made her a little um, a pouch to go along with it, made out of the pockets from the father's suit, right? Because that's where his hands went. And I thought, what I can't do any I can't make cowls out of this item, but I can certainly do something else for her. Mm-hmm. And um, then somebody gave me her father's, uh, it was probably like a 20-year-old bad leather jacket, and her father had passed away in the 90s. 
and she wore it when she was this grunge teenager and so I made her a bag out of it and she said that she absolutely loves it so that was great and then also I made um, a, a purse out of one of my late friends mink jackets which was one of my favorite uh, projects ever it was it made me just ball my eyes out but it was right. so so special and you shared that with with other friends of that person yeah so her my um my dead friend valerie her husband asked me to do it for her oldest friend from right. they've been friends for like 50 years so i gave the purse to her oldest friend amazing which was great and then she cried and I cried more and yeah, everybody wow. was happy, but it was really <laughs> special. It was really special. So those are, I mean, I love working. I love reclaiming, using reclaimed textiles. And even though taking apart old jackets or couches, um, <laughs> things like that is tends to be a lot more work. It, you know, it's nice to, it's nice to not have that stuff end up in a landfill. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you purchase most of your fabrics when you're doing the fabric projects from thrift stores? Sometimes. When I lived in Nova Scotia, it was all thrift stores. Right. But now I have um, a, a friendship with somebody who works in the fine wool suiting industry. Mm. And I buy all of the um, the offcuts, off basically. Off-cuts, yeah. Yes, oh, wow. thanks. Yeah. And so all of this stuff for years ended up in landfills. This beautiful wool suiting, this cashmere, these silks. It was just be thrown away and then so now I get them and so everybody who gets these beautiful cowls now can feel good about you know their environment you know the environmental impact of not having it end up in a landfill and it's like the most beautiful expensive fabric out there right right (laughs) everybody wins Everybody well, wins. And, and I mean, you <laughs> she win brought as one. Well. And she then brought... I win as well because I don't have to spend $60 a meter on cashmere or $100 a meter price on cashmere. The price point's better. Right. And you've yeah. been able to sustain yourself yes. full time yeah. for eight and a half years. Yeah. Yep. That's unbelievable. Especially that in Toro- so with good. Toronto rent. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, as a podcast, have focused uh, quite a bit on writing mm-hmm. and uh, storytelling. And one of the things that we wanted to do was to bring in um, not necessarily not just success stories, but mm-hmm. but but the idea that it, it's not just about writing. It's not just about uh, storytelling, although obviously a podcast is storytelling. Right. Um, <laughs> one of the things that, that I find really interesting about someone who has been self-employed and running their own business, self-employed is obviously the same thing, running their own business for as long as you have and succeeding, yeah, is uh, you probably have quite a bit of advice yeah, for people that might want to If people want to hear something. it. <laughs> well, if they don't, they pause or turn off or whatever, find a true crime podcast like like my wife would. Right. That's unfortunate. <laughs> so, the que- <laughs> so the question I have is, is you run both an Etsy shop and a Shopify shop. Yeah. And uh, you, do you funnel most of your traffic from Instagram into this? Is, we're going to get in kind of the nitty gritty of business. And my uh, this is what I kind of I'm interested in. Right. Interacting um, with social media. Yeah. yeah. Because you have a, a a Facebook page yep. and an Instagram page yep. or whatever and, and a, a Twitter account. Yeah. My and Twitter is basically just animals and anti-Trump <laughs> <laughs> tweets, though. I just basically repost stuff. You're welcome to not care about Twitter. It's, yeah, it's I don't. Those, that's, and that's fine. 
But but on Instagram, yeah. do you do you feel that you have um the reaction time for your because you put something up and it's gone. Yeah, these, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm very. You know what? My people who follow me on Instagram, I don't know where they've all come from. They're they ardent. are amazing yeah. people. I have somehow attracted kind, generous, supportive people who aren't ever trolls. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Why. I don't know what I have done to become so blessed you on the internet. You make some good things. Well, I think you know. Yeah. Yeah, I try really hard to make beautiful things, and I'm really glad that people appreciate it. But if it was just about purses, then I wouldn't get so much feedback about other things or other parts of my life that I choose to share with them. When did Instagram start? Do you recall? Well, I don't know why I'm asking you. I'm sorry to do this to you. I want to say 2005. You can look it up. 2005? That long ago? How long have you been on Instagram? Oh, jeez. Well, I was, before Instagram, I was on something called PicPlease, P-I-C-P-L-Z.com, and then they were bought out, I think. I first remember being on Instagram in 2000 and maybe 11. Wow. Yeah. Okay. In that time, you've seen quite a change in how Instagram oh, acts. And oh, I'm so wrong. Sorry, I'm so wrong. 2010. Oh, oh so I was so I was I was an early, early adopter. I sure was. An early adopter. I was Look ahead of the times. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and do you feel that um, you've seen the way Instagram has changed? Obviously, their algorithms yeah. and how people can react to your things. Do you, do you do you have kind of any kind of reluctance to having those timed releases of your things where where you're saying like, oh, first dibs, because there are people who are specifically following only to buy the thing. For sure. Sometimes, especially in the slower seasons, I pay more attention to when I post. Like Instagram, there there are stats that you can have in in a business page where you can find out when your followers are most active. Right. So sometimes I try to post when I know that they're around, but sometimes my people are are most active at nine o'clock at night and I'm like, I'm done for the day. I'm so I'm just like, to... they'll see it if they see it. Oh. <laughs> if they don't, okay. So what was that sound again? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's like I've 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 discovered I make a sound for appreciation of other people is oh. Oh. I make that sound. Right. It's unintentional. It's just when like Stefan goes, you know, I, I'll say, Oh, I really like doing this podcast with you, Stefan, and he'll go, I, you too, Hugh, and I go, hmm. That's charming, especially from a fellow that looks as scary as you do. (laughs) Scary is a relative term, I think. I don't think I'm scary at all. All right, so let me ask you a question that is, uh, I wondered how how it affected the business. Mm -hmm. Uh, The CBC interview, the leather couch that you destroyed and then handed a bag over to the owner. Right. Uh, Shall I is, tell that story? Right, is that cool? I'm, I'd love to tell that story. Do, have you heard the story? No. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Then, I want to hear it. Then it's okay. fresh. It'll be fresh <laughs> to all of our all of our listeners. Not all of them, but the uh, ones that don't know you. Yeah. Um, let's see. It was probably three years ago. I saw this leather couch on the side of the road in my neighborhood. And ah, drunk furniture. <laughs> uh, I call that drunk furniture. It looks oh. like furniture that's been out partying too too heavy at night. Right. I like to call it street treasure. Street treasure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A little of them call them a, a little of them call them drunk. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of thing. And it looks the leather on it was beautiful, but it also looked fairly in like in good shape. So I thought, well, I know tomorrow is is garbage day, so I'll let it 
sit out there for the whole day. And if it's still there at nighttime, then I will go and I'm going to just steal all the leather off like of it. Like a ninja. Like oh, a ninja. A craft ninja. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to make sure that if it could be used to another family or whatever. Oh, I see. So if someone else dibs. picks it up and takes also, it Also, I didn't want to really do it in the daylight yeah. and get caught. But I got caught anyway. Oh. So even though I went out at 11 o'clock at night dressed in head to toe in black, the nanny of the house who, the, the nanny came out and was like, oh, you can just take the couch. And I was like, exacto knife in hand, <laughs> like bare pillows showing. I was like, oh, I don't know. Oh, I just kind of, um, oopsie, I just need the leather. <laughs> oh, so you, you, it was so uncomfortable. So you stripped the couch of I all, stripped the, the couch all the of leather. all of the leather. Yep. And then before I got caught, my intention was to always return with something made of the couch for the couch owner. So a couch is rarely just a piece of furniture in your house. It is like a meeting place. And and I also know that couches like that are expensive. Mm-hmm. Leather. It's ex- good yeah, leather. Totally. It's right? good leather. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I dropped. <gasps> what would oh. it have been like if it had been pleather? What if you were like, oh, this is the best. Oh. And you start cutting into it. You're like, oh, crap. Well, I can tell you the just difference. Give up. Oh, you can't. I'm a professional. Oh, my God. I just got told. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Because I, I would have cut into it and got like, oh, oh, oh well. You maybe you wouldn't have known the difference. I wouldn't have, and I would oh. have made a shitty bag. Yeah, you would have. I mean, I'm not a leather worker. No, <laughs> there are. It's funny when I <laughs> now that I've done this, I see stripped couches all over Toronto, and many of them are pleather. And I think, oh, yeah, <laughs> you're so cute. Aren't you what sweet? You, do, yeah. you, you don't know there. what you're doing. Yeah. You're <laughs> such an amateur. That's okay. just gross. So, so what? I I, I want to hear the next right. so, part of this. So the next step was um, through the power of social media, I was quickly found out because I posted about making this clutch out of out of out of the leather, but I told it in this. I got caught by the nanny. Whoopsie Daisy, and someone and the couch owner posted on Facebook that somebody had dropped off a clutch. A clutch. <laughs> and so um, I don't know if it was a producer from CBC saw this story somehow anyway. And she was like, this would make a great interview. Can you can I connect you with Metro Morning? And I was like, oh, what? OK. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Matt Galloway. OK. Let's, oh, my let's God. Do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Matt Galloway. Metro Morning. Yeah. So um, so, yeah, they called me within an hour. Oh, wow. And they're like, can you come on tomorrow morning? And they also spoke to the couch owner. And so we were on at like 640 in the morning. Wait, you and the couch and, owner? Yeah. It was the first time we ever met. Wow. It was in the CBC offices. Did she have it with her? Uh, yeah, she did. Oh. Yeah. And she was really pleased. And she was so lovely. And she wasn't mad at all about the fact that I'd wrecked her couch. Which and was made also like a, a bonus. grand off of all the rest of the leather? It's true, I did. I made, a, I made about $1,000. <laughs> The, those those clutches sold wow, quickly. Wow, leather workers, right? She got the first one. <laughs> yeah, but not the best one. The one no, that she... cost money. Oh. <laughs> but like neighbors were buying them. Like, oh, it was that's great. so nice. Was, and then, man, like that post that I put up on social media just went completely viral around Toronto. Yeah. At the time, my posts on Facebook were getting like 300 views. And I think that I got close to 90,000 wow. in the first like maybe five days yeah like it was just everywhere and I still get probably an email a month 
three years later from people going, hey, I'm just about to throw away my couch. Do you want the leather? Or I have this old leather jacket. Do you want the leather? <laughs> I cleaned up my studio this month or and it's last all month. all scraps of leather. And, you're like, and it's mm. literally like I probably have a dozen leather jackets and I don't even remember where they came from. Oh, it's just wow. people just giving um, me old leather stuff. Maybe they're for little clutches. Oh, <gasps> if, if people do give me nice couch leather, I do make them something for free. Oh. That's the deal. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. I know. It's because I'm a nice person. Uh, you're a person. <laughs> <laughs> this interview is over. <laughs> I did tell her she could just say that and it would be over. So, oh, okay. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh... <laughs> but so, so did, do you feel that that was like, did it in the moment, did you go, shit? This is going to be great. Yeah. Also, because it was like 10 days before one of a kind in the spring. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, I'm going to make so much money. <laughs> and did you? No. Uh, one of a kind oh. does not translate from Metro Morning. No. I mean, a lot of people had heard about it, and which was great. But they didn't buy. Well, A, there was no couch clutch leather oh. left. Oh, because you sold them I sold online. them all with, on the first day. So, and but you must add other leather. Oh, I did. And just, and just say yes. But they were just kind of like, where's the couch leather? And I'm like, oh, that's here, gone. Just point at anything that had leather. Just yeah. like here. But that's gray. Yeah. Yes. That, it's a different it couch. Was, well, it's still it the couch. It was from a different part of the couch. It's from a well-worn part of the couch. The part of the couch that had the grandfather sleeping on it all the time. <laughs> Why are you so hateful? Like that. And then they feel yeah. bad and buy all of them. I don't think that guilt really works. It doesn't really translate into sales. It doesn't translate to anything, as far as I can tell. Well, you guilted me into this podcast. <clears throat> what? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this interview is over. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. This edit is going. But this horribly. is interesting. I find um, it, it sounds so much like people are invested not just in in the product like yeah. you were saying it's not just about purses or clutches yeah or cows it's, but it's a it's, story right? it's, it's a story. story yeah which is again which brings it right back around to what we were talking about how even even something like a product has to tell a story these days oh yeah every time mm-hmm. every time yeah. yeah and i mean i love the fact that people are contacting you with their like i'm getting rid of my couch you want it can you make cool stuff out of it because i don't want to just throw it out yeah which a speaks to you know they could potentially just be you know environmentally conscious and they want to make sure that doesn't go into a landfill but they could also be thinking my couch i have to get rid of my couch that i've loved for so long and i'd rather see it be be transformed seriously i had a woman in in scarborough invite me to her house to take their leather and she's like listen i raised my children with this couch oh. it is 30 years and my kids are 30 years old like i've never known my children without this couch and she and i was like okay are you are you ready like do you want me to I'm start cutting cut this up. she's like i gotta look away and she didn't look the whole time what? i was cutting her couch wow. apart like and she invited me to her home to do it or something yeah wow and she got a nice bag out of it i think i made a made her a couple hmm. but it was hard for her. Yeah. It was seriously emotional. Yeah. But that's good. And then, oh, and then, so and I was honored. All of these projects that I take on, it's 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 a huge compliment that people would trust me. Like if you had your father's, your late father's jacket, and you were like, "Here, make me something out of it." There's only one, and there will only ever be one of these jackets. Like, it's mm-hmm. a huge responsibility mm-hmm. on my end. Yeah, but well, I love I mean, it. He's still alive. I, I don't think. I, they probably know that I killed them. So. Oh, so now we're getting into like, where, if your Awkward. father was. 
<laughs> my late father. Your late I mean, father. Just late for dinner. Um, <laughs> anyways, no, I, I, I'm, you know, obviously I, I live with someone who's in the same sort of realm. Yep. And it always is that lightning in the bottle that, that springboards you to the next level. Do you, do you, when you do like craft shows and stuff, mm-hmm. is there a sort of acknowledgement of, of what may have brought you to that stage of where you are? In what way? From uh, from the people? From the people that, that come in, that, that, that look at your work, and they're like, oh, I heard you on, or I saw you here, or I oh, follow yeah. you on Instagram. Or, oh, my followers, they have a certain sparkle in their eye when they meet me at a craft show. Yeah. If I can tell just by their body language or just by the way that they're looking at me from, like, they know, you they, know, they know 20 you. feet away that they know me. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I call them out on it before they even introduce themselves. I'm like, you know me from the internet, don't you? And they go, yes, I, I do know you. I follow you on Instagram. And is it, it you it's know, I, I've witnessed, I've been witness to this, obviously. And, and uh, I know how it just, it just requires a bit of graciousness. You know, you're like, look, I don't really want to have this conversation right now. I, I have other things I need to concentrate on, but I really appreciate your presence in my life. Yeah. To help drive sales, to help me take care of myself and my kid, and you know. Oh, I. But at some point, you're like, mm, you know, I just need you to move along. Well, I think that you're giving me more credit than I deserve. Oh, really? You're <laughs> yeah. not great. So it's Libs that's gracious. It's my wife Libs. is gracious. Yeah, and I think that I think that with people who have a much more significant following than I do, like Libs, um, maybe it would be a little bit overwhelming sometimes, especially if you're recognized. Mm. But for me, when people come to me at craft shows, they're so excited to meet me and so excited to see this stuff in person. And I feel, you know. And That's for, super gratifying, right? It's wonderful. Yeah. And like, I love having conversations with people who actually know and give a shit about me rather than just trying to sell random strangers purses. Like if I can have a meaningful conversation at one of a kind when my days are filled with 14 hours of like, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. It's, it's, just, I, it's like yeah that's Leonard, really what guns. that's like hey hey i mean i've seen you at craft shows and you really just stand there so you just i've never seen you go bum my stuff bum my stuff bum my stuff you're like i was on fucking metro morning bitches <laughs> give me all your money matt galloway talked to me and shook my hand that's right he doesn't remember who i am now no but. i'm sure he does Maybe. Yeah. Do think Matt he's Galloway replied to my tweets me? and he's mentioned me on radio. Okay, so he's listening to this podcast then and he, he's just shed a tear oh, because you thought, he thought he didn't remember you. Didn't remember yeah, you. Matt. Oh. Matt, we love you, man. Hey, yeah. Matt. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know my voice got a little deeper <laughs> oh, there. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Matt, I don't swing your way. I'm sorry. It's <laughs> dusky. That was a dusky <laughs> voice situation. Hello, Matt. No, she she's just getting my cold. It's true. <laughs> Everybody here is. It's a dry January. It's a dry January yeah. for Jillian, so that's why it's water for everyone tonight. Yeah. Except me. I had beer. You did. I'm not on a dry January. I can do whatever I, I want. No. I forced myself to go dry this month. <clears throat> oh wow. Like okay. an idiot. Not an idiot. <laughs> no. no, not at all. Because <laughs> Stefan's kinda sick. I had promised him that I would drive this conversation. And because you called me out, I feel obligated to drive it in a way that's less interesting. So I'm just going to, wow, nice shoes. That's not true. So <laughs> here's, here's the question I have for you. Do you have advice for anybody that may be entering this particular field, enter the field of like having a product 
and making for themselves. Do you have any specific advice? Yeah, for sure. And you might wish back off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make fucking bags of cows. <laughs> Don't rip me off. <laughs> Asshole. Do you, oh oh, I have a question. Yeah. Does that happen? Do you get ripped uh, off? Yeah. <gasps> oh no. Oh my god. Is there like a pop robins? <laughs> oh, yeah. Pop that, ribbons. That would be that pop would be ribbons. They would have some issues. <laughs> legal issues um no i have definitely been copied and i Uh, i don't actively seek out my copycat but you get sent them from oh yeah i sure do did you see this bag did you see this cowl yeah cowls mostly cowls when i first started making cowls 10 years ago there was nothing like it on Mm. the market and and i scoured the internet all over etsy for something that i something similar so that I made sure that if there, if it existed that and I'm not saying I invented a cowl scarf but I kind of am saying that I invented my cowl scarf because I'd never seen anything like it before sure. and so in, and since then yeah I have some copycats and I have crushed some of them really <laughs> yeah there was one person as soon as I left Halifax that started up his cowl business did he call them cowls oh yeah and used my fabrics Lazy used my exact mono. dimensions used my write-ups from etsy <gasps> and went to my stores who carried my work and was like hey would you like to buy my cowls five bucks less <laughs> and oh i was God. just like hey hey <laughs> i'm not hey. gonna lie you're a little frightening that look is is relatively frightening. i was pretty pissed yeah yeah so you called me scary but i'm I'm, uh, I'm glad I'm not making cows. That's, I'm, I'm that's scared right. of both of you. So I'm, yeah, that's You do look a little frightened there. <laughs> He's always kind of scared, though. Just terrified of things in general. That's, well. I just tell him spiders are everywhere. What? <laughs> <laughs> so so that was no advice. That was really just don't copy me. But do you have, like, advice for people that are doing something unique? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say grow without going in debt. Mm. grow slowly mm-hmm. so my biggest achievement was i've never been in the red so one of the things that is is difficult as a freelancer stefan and i uh stefan is a freelancer and i was a freelancer one of the problems with being a self-employed individual is not going in the red yeah. is mm-hmm. the idea that like when you have that feast or famine situation uh the famine aspect can be prolonged and and be a real problem when it comes to making product, do you uh, intentionally try to make enough product that can then carry you through? Do you do you forecast the yeah. famine part? Right? Well, for sure. I mean, everybody knows who's in retail that it's a it. There's dry months: January, February, March, sure. April, usually. It's <laughs> like four it's months. Pretty much <laughs> of like nobody really buying anything. Right. So I have to like I re- I remember when I first started making cowls and I was selling them at a farmers market in Halifax and some of my sales days were like eight hundred dollars and twenty dollar cowls and I was like I'm so rich sushi dinner you know five new pairs of boots and then yeah, I was nothing. like I'm never going to stop making all this money cowls are it and then like January first comes along and and I'm like. Hello? Anybody? <laughs> no? You've already, oh, you've already bought oh, you your have a cowl. cowl? Oh. And the mall is selling everything wintry at 50% off, even though but I can't afford that winter has just started. Is not, yeah. Right. Huh. So, yeah. So that first year was like, oh. But that was an education. And you were already doing something else. You weren't, you weren't relying on cowls, right? Um, at that point, I might have been. No. <laughs> I think I had a little bit of savings. 
But yeah, I mean, I feel really, I feel really sad for people who have to invest, you know, thirty thousand dollars in, in their business, and like hope that it pays off. Right. For me, I just wouldn't put in like five bucks and then make something and sell it for twenty dollars, and then I would take that fifteen dollar profit and then invest it, reinvest it into right. more fabric or whatever. But I grew as I could, so mm-hmm. I've never been in debt, and that really helps. And I mean, there are months where I spend. I spend thousands, like in January, I'm going to have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on leather and hardware and zippers and stuff like that. But that all turns into things that you sell. Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. But part of this week's sale. And you just budget yourself really slowly, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. I broke in. Oh, no, that's okay. Part of this week's sale is like, okay, I have rent to pay Mm -hmm. and I have to buy all of this stuff so that I can make more product in the next few months. Right. Because one of a kind... Spring will be. Oh, I'm not doing one of a kind. Not spring. doing that. No. Not because you don't like one of a kind, though. I love one of a kind. I just don't want to do the spring show. Fair. It means it means mass production as soon as basically as soon as winter's done. As soon yeah. as winter's right? done, and like there's just no time for creativity if I have to start producing enough stock to to do one of a kind. Right. So I would rather play around with materials, play around with leathers, play play around with designs rather than just. So, so, so for 15 hours a day for the next three months. So the other question I have, and and I mean, this this kind of comes back to a lot of things that Stan, Stefan and I talk about. And one of them is variety of our projects. Um, would you recommend some of this entering into the product world? Would you recommend that they concentrate on one thing and get good at that one thing? Or would you say, find a variety of things and then see what's kind of hitting and get good at that? That's a really good question. Thank um, you. <laughs> <you're welcome>. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think testing the waters is good, but I also know that there's a saying in business, which is like, sell to everyone, sell to no one, or something like that. It would be good if you knew the saying oh. before. <laughs> I know. I'm... Sell to everyone, sell to no one, sell high, buy low. <laughs> I, I Honestly. But basically, if you're trying to market yourself to every single person, you're not going to make a, yeah. you're not going to sell to okay. anybody, right? The explanation is what helps. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Especially since I can't remember the exact wording. <laughs> but yeah, I think that if you're, I mean, my a lot of my products don't make sense with each other. I make cowl scarves, I make belt buckles, right? And I make purses. Holy crap! By the way. Her belt buckles are super cool. Thanks. You do a cassette tape one yeah. that I'm, I've I have always like, wanted. Yeah. I'm, I'm you should have just I'm told poor, me. I'm so poor. I just can't do it. You know what? For this free publicity <laughs> you're giving me right now. There's no free publicity. You're all going to be... Unless your sound is all going to be <laughs> muffled over. <laughs> no, you're 100% getting free publicity. But, but I don't yeah. think of it like that. You're helping us. I am helping you. Yeah. Yeah. Because at some point you're going to wear... Our, our pin out yep and someone's gonna say what's that gonna mean it's gonna mean you can't sell this and you won't explain why but that's just the pin so who's helping who no i don't know <laughs> nobody's helping anybody as far as i can tell some lady got a nice clutch that's what yeah. I know. that's what i know i'm very helpful i i mean i do other things <laughs> i do help other ways no 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 I, i'm just i'm just sort of uh winding down but um what i'm curious about and and, and this happened um before was do, do you do a lot of trades when you like someone's work do you say hey look we have a same price point mm-hmm. would you be willing to trade this for this 
And that's very, very common in the artisan community. Is it sure. really? Oh, big time. Oh, we love trades. Huh. Yeah. I have a lot of handmade pottery. Oh. A lot of skincare items, natural skincare items. Those are my weaknesses. Yeah. But I don't wear jewelry. And there's a lot of jewelers out there. And so they will often ask. And I'm like, mm, I don't. I don't. And, and sometimes I trade with people to give gifts to people that I know, right. that I care about. Sure. Um, but yeah, trading's big, big. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I generally don't approach people partially because I'm like, I don't know if they like me. <laughs> 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 they like my stuff and I'm afraid of rejection. And then sometimes also I'm just not a huge consumer. Yeah. I don't really like having a lot of stuff. Do you, do you feel that part of that is is just having been uh, self-employed for so long? Like you, you realize what you do want to spend money on and what you don't want to spend money on? Is that is that a protection of your income? Protection of maybe, your, your maybe money? Maybe like I live in a small house that doesn't have a lot of room for a lot of things. Is that intentional? Is that a, is that a situation in which you've you've made a, a, a place for yourself where you can't fill your fill your space with junk? Yeah, or even, not even just, not even junk, but handmade goods. Oh, gosh. Okay, so for the, okay, for the record, my, my, my wife's father was an antiques dealer. Yeah. An antiques dealer, and, and he called everything junk. He would be like, that's Napoleonic era chair, it's junk. And I'd be like, I believe that's a very expensive chair. Junk. And he called himself a junk dealer. And I always thought that was so endearing of someone who, he knew the value of every item in his house. But he called it all junk, hmm. and I, so stuff is junk. I don't, yeah. I don't mean it that way. Of course, I don't mean it that way. It yeah. has a has a value that's intrinsic and inherent to the the artisan's efforts, but it's just junk. It's, you yeah, know, it's, it's just stuff. stuff you know? It's stuff. It's stuff. And it's it. Yeah, junk is obviously more insulting when you say it. <laughs> I never thought unless the person never, that says it. I'm is. I'm the same. I call all my stuff junk. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, good. Is your stuff junky? I, no, you got nice stuff. Got some some. Stuff that's junk. <laughs> well answered, my friend. And like, it was clear and concise. It was beautiful. Like, um, I see why you have a podcast. Art, <gasps> artwork. Wow. This brings me to re- listener feedback. <laughs> do you have any questions for me? I do have one question. I would love to hear okay, your question. See, so there you go. Um, I'm really curious about this moment in time. Where you went from doing this part time yeah. to doing it full time, yeah, and that leap is huge for huge. for any any creative who says I'm just going to put all my eggs in this basket, yeah, and try to make it, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, I was working in Halifax at um, a business, and the business changed ownership, and I loved my job pre switch of owners, and. I did not like the new owners. I didn't like the way they conducted business anymore. Hmm. And it was a fairly easy decision to say, this is not the kind of business I want to work for anymore. I'm out of here. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I quit my job in June, which is not cowl season. And (laughs) I was like, I'm just going to float. And hopefully cowls will still be popular when it comes to fall. Actually, the and, and so, and they were, which is great. But actually, the biggest leap was moving from Halifax to Toronto. Right. Which was six years ago. Wow. Because I was working at a farmer's market, selling my cowls from, you know, 6 a.m. until 3 p.m. on a Saturday and a Sunday. And that's pretty much it. I was wow. hardly making rent. And 
than to come to big, bad Toronto with higher rent and money, more expenses, was that was the big leap for sure. And I couldn't take that that business model of selling a couple things on Etsy and going to a farmer's market and transferring it over to Toronto. Right. There's craft shows here that I'd never even heard of. I didn't. There's a lot. There's going a on. lot. So did you did you like ramp ramp it up? I guess. Yeah, my for lack of a better term. Yeah, basically, I got into one of a kind in the first season that I was that I had moved to Toronto, which was lucky, and I had made more money at one of a kind my first time doing one of a kind than I basically made at any day job. In a year, if I if in I my may life. if I may break in, one of a kind you have, you apply to be part <laughs> right, of right yeah so you, you it's you, a juried you, show yeah. yeah it's a juried show so you don't get to just like oh I have of a bunch of keychains yeah and, and you have to pay to be there oh oh yeah yeah a ton oh I know it's very expensive I've looked at it <laughs> yeah it's it's very pricey and it you know there's the show fee but then there's also other expenses mm-hmm. you have to put money in so you can make your product you have mm-hmm. to spend months sewing or you know woodworking or whatever your specialty is display you have to make a display a you have to staff you made a new yeah. booth oh, I made it's a insane. booth yeah i yeah. had to staff it i i had no idea what i was getting so i put in a ton of money but my sales for that first year and they've only gotten better was was yeah but you you didn't know you didn't know that that was going to yeah. happen so you just said f it totally wow. i did and then but f, f it, it. <laughs> i said fuck it actually oh, okay <laughs> But some people, <laughs> some people don't have that success. And I hear right. about those, those unfortunate circumstances every single year where people do put in that time and that money and the display is beautiful and their product is great and they just don't sell. But they might have sold well the year before, but they, they may don't have, sell this year. You know, yeah. and that, that, I've heard that as well. Is, yeah. is they're like, I don't know, it's just not working this year. Yep. It, it can be, you know, marketing of yourself, marketing of them. It can be the weather. It can be anything. It, all of this is a, com- well, I have, you know, this is why I'm saying I'm winging it because there's right. so many elements that I can't control. Mm-hmm. But I mean, everyone's in that same boat then. Yeah. You know, everyone's winging it. Yeah. But so to, to someone who's maybe done a couple of, like I, I'm thinking of even doing as illustrators doing doing art shows or things like Fan Expo, yeah. uh, Artist Alley, uh, who haven't had success in like let's say the three years that they've done it. Would you recommend they just keep at it if no. it's what they want to do? No. Okay. If you've lost money every year, maybe you're not. It's right. Not the right market thing. for you. Then something needs to change. Either something. you need to change where you're selling your yeah. stuff, mm-hmm. like or get whom. better, or get better at what you're doing. Right. Or change what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if they're going to the artist alley, then and they're on their phone their whole time, or they're sitting down right. behind a table, right. and the you know their display could be better, and they look like they don't give a shit. No one's going to stop and buy their work. You have to like. Hey, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. <laughs> well, let's make eye contact and smile yeah, and be nice. Yeah, for sure. Like, no one wants to. Like, I, whenever I go to any craft show and people look like they don't give a fuck and they're just on their phones and they're yeah. not talking to me, I'm not going to stop and spend my money with you. I don't want to fight to get your attention. Mm. Yeah, it's like that fine line between, uh, oh, God, this person is now accosting me to try to get me to buy their stuff. Yeah. And, oh, this person has engaged me in a conversation but I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, and look at the things around them yeah. and maybe I'll, exactly. you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, any salesperson is charming. Any salesperson doesn't come off as like super buy my stuff, buy my stuff. They like you. They want to support you. They like your stuff. Mm-hmm. They feel confident. They feel comfortable. And they feel 
like this is a really exciting moment for them to purchase. So, mm. I mean, I would say that for those people who aren't having great luck and they've given it the good old college try at all of these shows or whatever. Yeah, it seems <laughs> like it seems Am like the I answer talking is... about you to you? No, no. Oh. No, no. No, no. <laughs> I have been to, I've been to these shows you might before get and I <laughs> But what, I'm, but what I'm understanding, what I've always seen is that um, a lot of people just, well, uh, people aren't buying my stuff. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing yeah. and uh, and keep wondering why it's not working. Right. It's like you have to change. You have to figure out what's wrong. Like, I think this whether is a it's, life lesson, actually, yeah. not just. A <laughs> well, listen, uh, so so our, our, our friend, my, my friend, Michael Morton, who's a, an illustrator, he was having a really hard time with his artwork and 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 uh, and wasn't sure what he was going to get up to with that. And he started doing these amazing portraits of the glow actresses in their costumes. Right. Yeah. And they just it just started hitting for him. Right. And uh, people started reacting to it and like, amazing. oh my god, I really want to buy this. He started getting commissions, and it was like, it wasn't the actresses who were asking for the commissions. It was other people, and they were like, you know, I want to get a commission of uh, Anthony Bourdain. Like, it's just, it's incredible. It just worked out. But he struggled for, you know, what his artwork was going to be. But then he found be. a niche. But he, he found he, a niche. He, he, there was a switch. He changed something. He changed something right? for himself. And it's the same, uh, a friend of mine in Chicago, Ray Frendon, mm-hmm. who's an illustrator, uh, he's now really well known for, like, the sort of cartoony zombie stuff that he's done. But there was this moment where he just drew that once. And it it was the same thing. It was yeah. lightning in a bottle, spread like wildfire. And all of a sudden, he, he had set himself up for a career as an illustrator. That's great. Is he still going? He's still going, yeah. That's he, fabulous. He, he moved out of, out of the city in Chicago uh, where he was working uh, at, a, at a design or an ad agency. And he went full-time uh, illustrator and lives on a farm on the outskirts. Amazing. And, and is having an awesome life. Oh, don't but talk about hear, on the outskirts because Jillian's looking at property on, in Nova Scotia. And true. She's like, outskirts and on a farm. Jillian's like, tell me more about this. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I want. That's the next step. <clears throat> so uh, this may be a good point for us to stop. I don't know if you want to add anything to it unprompted if there's something that you've been thinking about like oh, i'd like to say this oh you're welcome to no you guys have kept me pretty busy okay yeah do you have anything else you'd like to ask no i think i think uh we hit a good spot there and and i i, I personally think that we got away with not asking you any bad questions yeah i think <laughs> maybe I, I would say no. I maybe no. no, I don't think no. that there was any no. 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 It went quickly. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what time it is. It's good. It's after 10. So, um, <laughs> it's 1 a.m., everybody. Oh, no. <laughs> the witching hour. Thank you so much, Jillian. This has been one of the more fun episodes in terms mm-hmm. of education. Thanks. Um, with me not knowing all that much about what you actually do beyond sewing. Yeah. Uh, it has been eye-opening. Well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. It was a lot you. of fun. Thank you. <laughs> buy my stuff. 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 So. <laughs> follow me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Follow Jillian on Instagram. And there will Ip be Robbins. links. Uh, you're pointing at the ground. But I'm, I am. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Links go. <laughs> the links are below. Subscribe and like this video. There's no video. So that should be your next step now that you're in this well, fancy recording oh, studio. Hey, listen, we've been talking about this for a while, so we'll figure that part out. So I am Hugh Elliott. And I am Stefan Grambart. And I am Jillian Hyde. And you have been listening to K 
can't sell, sell this <laughs> podcast. That was well done, boys. Oh, you're the worst. This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content contained in this episode is copyright Stefan Grambart and Hugh Elliott. Intro voice by Jeff Wright, recording engineer at Studio 306. Intro music track is Energy by Not Of from their 2015 album Peak. Questions or comments can be sent to admin at can'tsellthispodcast.com. Any other information can be found at can'tsellthispodcast.com. See